Hey everyone, your favorite Ghost Party Radio host here. So I have some weird news. Trevor showed up at my door last night crying. He was a mess. Mascara running down his cheeks, heavy breathing between sobs, and so much snot I thought he was going to choke on it. I asked him what was wrong. I had the feeling he'd finally found out about what I was doing. So I kept him in the hallway and angled the door so that he couldn't see into my bedroom. He was looking mighty pathetic. He could barely get the words out. And just as I was about to come clean, he told me. Through the whines, I made out him saying, Adam, my dearest friend, I forgot to mention how The Village is the definitive post-9-11 movie. I picked him up, wrung the alcohol from his shirt, and did a gentle knock on his chin. Don't worry, old sport, I began. I'll add it in the cold open. Episode number 29 of Ghost Party Radio, an in-depth and very serious exploration into the world of genre film hosted by two small-time cowards. I'm your host, Trevor Dillon, and allow me to introduce my co-host, the Stephen King to my Frank Darabont. It's Adam Cervantes Wagner. Chilling. <laughs> hey, uh, have you noticed that we uh, haven't been roasting each other at the top of the show? Yeah, it's weird. We've gone two whole episodes now, not roasting. Does this mean you think that we're uh, becoming friends? Uh, I wouldn't go that far. Okay, uh, Adam, I forgot to ask you before the show, but do we have any listen reviews this week? Uh, strangely, from the mist, nothing emerges. Wow. Well, how much longer do you think before we kill this segment at the top? How many more episodes? Because um, our guest doesn't know this, but every <laughs> I think like every other episode we have a review. But sometimes when we don't have a review, I still ask Adam on the show if we have one. And then he has to say in front of everybody, no, we don't have one. Yeah, I like you embarrassing me like this. Um, <laughs> but actually, I know for a fact a friend of mine left one. I might have not have uh, buffered yet. So we still yeah. got that coming itunes is trying to shut the man down wait what right. no wait we're not the man boo <laughs> no the, the so the reason why i ask you on air is because it gives me a good opportunity to say hey if you're listening to this show uh please leave us a review on the itunes store leave us five stars and then roast us in the review and then we'll read it right here at the very top of the show so there you go that's why i ask you every episode <laughs> um let's get into this we have a very exciting episode today we're talking stephen king's the mist with an awesome guest that i've been wanting to get on the show for quite some time but uh, I had to wait for the right movie. I didn't think of this movie quite being the right movie, but I went on Letterboxd <laughs> to look at some of our uh, my friends on there's reviews of this movie, and I saw that he was the only one who had reviewed it. Uh, and I was like, oh, I like this take on this movie. So please allow me to introduce our guest. Uh, it's a long time coming. Uh, the co-founder of This Cinematic Life, it's Craig Duffy. Craig, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me, guys. Uh, and I apologize for all these uh, goofs up top. My brain, I don't know. Where uh, any time that we record before noon, Adam and I are just <laughs> off our game. Yeah, right. You're not fully booted up yet. <laughs> um, yeah. So thanks you for doing the show. Uh, mm -hmm. I know I had just introduced you to Adam uh, pre pre the show. He he had not met you, Adam. Mm -hmm. What are you thinking of our guest? Oh boy, I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> In case you haven't understood the, the dynamic of the show yet, I, uh -huh. this is only me just trying to put Adam on the spot and embarrass him. <laughs> Sounds about fair. Yeah. Um, so, Craig, well, this is a genre podcast, basically. Yep. Um, we go through genre by genre. Currently, we're on Creature Features, and we mm -hmm. ask all of our guests these questions. Um, I just want to know if you could just kind of narrow it down to one. What would be your favorite genre of cinema? Well, um, I was thinking about it, and I recently I rewatched, or not rewatched, for the first time I watched uh, Army of the Dead, the Sna Zack Snyder uh, Netflix movie, and I was thinking about like when a director gets like notoriety and gets to start working with huge budgets, and then they go back to genre film. So like uh, Sam Raimi accelerated to big budgets with the spider-man franchise and mm -hmm. then went back to genre for drag me to hell and you kind of bring all the resources that you can now command as a big budget director and apply them towards genre so it's it's not like oh zombie movies or you know kaiju films or stuff but 
movies where some filmmaker with access to resources uses those towards a genre exercise like William Friedkin, you know, wins an Oscar for French Connection and follows it up with The Exorcist. Or, you know, Scorsese wins an Oscar for The Departed, which in itself is a genre film, but then follows it up with Shutter Island. Army of the Dead is an awful example of it because I actually hated (laughs) Army of the Dead. Um, But by and large, I like it. I like, you know, Crimson Peak. You know, it came pre-Oscar for uh, Guillermo, but, you know, he had done, you know, I mean, a kaiju movie before that, but so his budgets were getting bigger, but he was able to, you know, apply it towards something genre. That is the most specific answer we've gotten on the show so far (laughs) and fascinating. Uh, Things that we like to talk about on the show are longer cuts of movies laying around and uh, ghost directors and stuff like that. But (laughs) Adam, I think we have to now add to the list. Director gets either mainstream um budget or prestige in some way and then uses that prestige to then make a genre picture i i love that i think that's fantastic yeah. drag me to hell is a fantastic um for a movie <laughs> but <laughs> but b uh example of that i'm trying to think like has has peter jackson done it because it's like I, I think he's been in genre no because he started yeah. with that like low budget stuff and he then he went genre 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 and then he kind of went opposite right he went like he went like the low the lovely bones yeah. Uh, and so he he kind of went like, oh, he got that Oscar taste with a genre movie with, you know, fantasy. Then he made King Kong. Then he's like, I want other Oscars. So he did yeah. like The Lovely Bones and it kind of blew up in his face. But mm-hmm. um, I would love and to see got... Peter Jackson head back to like a lower budget genre movie. Exactly. What are you talking about? We got uh, Mortal Engines. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. That movie doesn't oh, exist. Mortal Engines. <laughs> Yeah, that's a bummer. I, we, I mean, this isn't a Peter Jackson podcast, but that's a bummer. He kind of got caught up in the cog in the machine of being like, now you have to make the Hobbit movies. It's like, why? Like, why does he have mm-hmm. to make the Hobbit movies? Right. It's, it's not It's not because Lovely Bones bombed, you know? I mean, I think it did bomb, but... Um, anyways, we love talking about, like, careers and stuff and trajectories and why things mm-hmm. get made in context and all that, but... Um, uh, we have to stick with Creature Features. Uh, Craig, what's your history with Creature Features on film? Uh, do you have any specific favorites? Um, well... Like most of my life, I mean, my young life, I was, you know, scared of horror films. Specifically, like uh, Child's Play was my uh, big fear. I went to see like a a re-release of Fantasia when I was very young. And they had uh, the poster for Child's Play 2 with uh, Chucky. He's going to cut the head off that, um, what you call it? Jack in the uh, Box. Jack in the Box. Yep. And that just terrified me. And so... (laughs) At the video store, I knew where that box was. I knew how to, you know, like walk around the video store. I knew when to turn my back so that it would be <laughs> facing towards that box so I wouldn't have to see it. Uh, but then when I got to middle school, a friend of mine, uh, Graham Schofield, uh, who's now, he does makeup effects. He makes like props for The Mandalorian. Yeah, I know that name. Like that. Yeah, he, um, he, the summer between middle school and high school, He's all like, okay, it, we're diving in. You're getting into horror. And so we, uh, he, we, over the course of three weeks, we rented the Evil Dead trilogy. And then I became, you know, a, a, a horror uh, lover. So it began there. Um, as far as creatures, I like, do you consider like werewolves a creature? Because, like, you know, I, of course, American Werewolf in London. Um, you know, the thing, is that a creature? Is that an alien? Um, yeah, I, I would consider both of those creature features. Mm-hmm. But, like, for werewolves, we, like, on our wheel that we spin for the genres, we have one of the hundred genres we have is just werewolf movies. But mm-hmm. if you had brought in a werewolf movie onto this series or if I had picked a werewolf movie or something, then I, I, I we would have allowed it for sure. It would have been a bummer for to, like, to talk about an American werewolf in London and then have it land on werewolf later and be like, <laughs> we can't talk about we, American We already werewolf. covered it, yeah. Yeah, so that would be a little odd. But werewolf movies are, I, I think, literally my favorite genre, but I don't think that, that a lot of good werewolf movies have been made. Like, over the mm-hmm. course of, like, 50 years or whatever, I think we've only gotten, like, four or five good ones, which I think is kind of a pretty low hit rate. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, what you just mentioned is very funny uh, regarding the Child's Play 2 VHS cover because on our Hellraiser episode, uh, we had a guest Rachel Reeves on from the Losers Club podcast, a Stephen King podcast, mm-hmm. uh, ironically. 
And uh, she was talking about, or we were talking about VHS covers, and I specifically had name dropped the Child's Play uh, of VHS, the same exact thing. Like, uh, And then the Hellraiser one scared, that's the one that really scared the <laughs> shit out of me. Like, I would look at it and be like, this is too scary. Well, and going back to Peter Jackson, I believe uh, the Dead Alive one Ugh. was this for, for my wife, Becca. Yeah, uh, it, that's, that's, a, that's a gross one. That's a creepy <laughs> one, too. And it doesn't really fit the, I mean, I remember being Dead Alive or AKA Brain Dead being just kind of like goofy, like kind of bloody fun, mm-hmm. uh, intense for sure. If, mm-hmm. if you're not picking up on like the madcapness of it all. But yeah, that, that, that VHS cover is like gross and weird. Yeah. yeah it's very, uh, very, yeah, very gross. Um, Adam, do you want to ask our guest the third question that I did not prep him for? Uh, oh. Do a little bit of gotcha journalism here. Oh. Yeah. I don't know if you hear Take that, news. but. I don't know if you hear this, Craig, but uh, Trevor's tummy is rumbling right now. <laughs> um, okay. That's that's because he knows that creatures gotta eat. Uh, Craig, mm-hmm. what is your go-to movie snack? Ooh, got him, got him live on air <laughs> with that hard question. Um, I've never been too much of a movie snacker. You know, I know people you'll swear by. You know, oh, I gotta have my popcorn or whatever, and then like. I mean, an icy, you know, is okay. probably about as close as I would get. But then, you know, I'm like, do I want a beverage? Because then am I going to need to use the bathroom and miss part of the movie? <laughs> you know, like it's the, the calculus that I apply in my brain. Uh, right. You know, so I often end up having nothing. So, so wait, if it's an icy, though, what flavor? Coke or blue <laughs> raspberry? The blue raspberry. Nice. An icy is important because it's quiet. You can mm-hmm. you can have an, an, no, I, no rappers, uh, right? Um, I, I you know I get as annoyed as anybody else at like a loud eater in a movie. But um, literally on Monday, I I went and watched um, Bo Trevi at the, at the theater, mm-hmm. uh, the Frida Cinema in downtown Santa Ana, and I rolled in there and there's only like seven people in the early screening at like mm-hmm. five p.m. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I want some popcorn. So I had some, I had some popcorn, and I was the loud eater. Like uh, I was the loud eater. I was like, I can't. Well, believe there weren't, there weren't enough people to absorb the audio, you know, the the sound. You know, I think a, a fuller theater, it might, uh, you have all those bodies to bounce to soundproof. Right. And I could have been a little more strategic of when I was, you know, doing it because like there are loud parts of that movie, but then there are very quiet parts and it just seemed like I was doing it during the quiet parts. And I was like, I can't believe not only just just do it during the rhythm of the night. Yeah. 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 Just wait and just devour and devour it all. (laughs) Um, No, it was like, not only did I program this film, but now I'm the one coming in and ruining it for the people in the theater. It's just like, oh, the worst. Um, Okay. What do you say we get into this movie today? Today we are talking about Frank Darabont's adaptation of Stephen King's novella, The Mist, from 2007. Uh, This is a movie that... uh, I'll read the tagline. I like to read the taglines for the stuff up front. Belief divides them, mystery surrounds them, but fear changes everything. Adam, they didn't even mention The Mist in that. (laughs) What? It's almost like the movie's not really about The Mist. Where is The Mist? Um, After a violent storm, a dense cloud of mist envelops a small main town, trapping artist David Drayton and his five-year-old son in a local grocery store with other people. Um, This movie is 126 minutes. We got to talk about it right up top, Adam. Dr. Runtime saw 126 minutes and immediately thought, that's way too long for this movie. Uh And he was right. I'd agree with him. No, he was wrong. <laughs> Dr. Runtime was wrong this time around because I felt like this movie was paced extremely well. But anyways, usually we read some letterbox reviews here, Craig, but you are the only person who has reviewed it uh, as my <laughs> friend on Letterbox, And I don't want to read the review because we're going to get the review live here on air. So um, let's just start here. Basically, what we do is we just start chatting about this movie. Uh, I'm opening up the I'm opening up the floor right now. We got to talk about this thing. Um I just want to say, speaking of how the movie actually moves, my first note of the very, very few notes that I've written down uh, are that 12 minutes in, Adam, you get that shot of the mist rolling into that the area where the grocery store is. Like, th- that mist is in very, very quickly. Mm-hmm. And it moves very quickly in that scene, which is a little bit of a bummer to me. Okay. All right. So right up top, Adam's going to be negative. Adam, I uh, I do sort of agree with you that the mist in that scene does move a little bit too quickly, especially because we get the first glimpse of the mist when they're at the house and they're looking off into this, like the, uh, she's like, oh, what is that? And he's like, oh, it's, it's mist on the lake. There's been mist on the lake like all the time. And it's not moving that quickly. 
And then all of a sudden, when the air raid sirens go on, it's, it's moving very quickly. But there's probably a reason for that, right? That's why the air raid sirens are on, is because the mist has decided to really start moving quickly. <laughs> I just, um, why doesn't Frank want to have any fun? It doesn't feel like he's <laughs> having any fun in this movie. Like, why not, you know, camera pushing past people as it creeps in slowly in the background kind of thing? All right, we're getting too, uh, <laughs> we're getting too into it right now. Craig, let's start here. What is your history with the film The Mist? My history is uh, actually uh, interesting because uh, so I was a, a Frank Derenbaum fan from uh, Shawshank, you know, the number one movie on IMDb. <laughs> and um, I also, you know, appreciated uh, Green Mile and such. Um, still have never actually seen the Maj- Majestic. I haven't either, actually. I was just thinking that. <laughs> but as a as a as a fan uh, that year, 2007, in the summer, uh, I went to Comic-Con it was the first time uh, Becca and I went as a couple. Uh, we had just started dating the previous year. Uh, we went and we went to the Dimension Films panel where they had Frank. It was a split panel. Half the panel was uh, Frank Derenbont, Marsha Gay Harden. I don't remember who else uh, mm-hmm. talking about the mist. And then the back half was uh, Rob Zombie uh, uh, doing the Halloween remake. Mm-hmm. But so I actually, you know, even before the movie was out, I was, you know, kind of into it, you know, enough that I went to a Comic-Con panel uh, about it. And they showed a clip. I'm trying to remember what scene it was. But yeah, they showed a clip from it and did the Q&A. I think he maybe there mentioned that, you know, his he was going to be doing Walking Dead next, yada, yada. Right. Um, but yeah, so I was excited for it. But apparently not enough to see it in the theaters. Oh, wow. <laughs> well, to be fair, 2007 was a very busy year at the movie theater. Oh, yeah. Well, because well, 2007 is actually a year that I've spent a lot of time on. Um, if you go to uh, my wife and I's blog, uh, cinematiclife.com, there's a long piece I did on the Best Picture nominees of 2007. Of which The Mist was not a part of for some it, reason. Yeah. <laughs> but um, just, and um, the piece is about like the the, the darkening of um, Oscar movies uh, through, mostly through the Bush years. Um, <laughs> and like just how, you know, when Best Picture nominees come out, you usually have like, oh, you know, you know, this is the feel good movie. Right. This is the tear jerker. This is, but like just pound for pound. That was back when there was five nominees and you had, there will be blood, no country for old men, yeah. uh, atonement. Um, Juno, Michael, Michael Clayton and Juno. Okay. So Juno's the outlier of that. But other than that, <laughs> yeah. you have these, this slate of films that are all very much referendums on the fact that, you know, it's been, you know, about so at that point six years post 9-11 four years into the war in iraq just like and it was creeping into the culture so much that you know it was unavoidable at the oscars and i feel like the mist is kind of the horror film of that you know era in that it, it, it's an outgrowth of the darkness of the culture at that time yeah, I mean, Adam wants to bring up immediately that Darren Bond's not having any fun in this movie, but like, we're, we're talking about a, a, the, maybe the defining uh, post-9-11 horror movie here, Adam. Yeah. How much fun did you want the guy to have? And, I mean, I feel like he was having, because he famously, um, this was the film he made after uh, doing an episode of The Shield, and... Um, just it kind of changed over his filmmaking style he went from you know very you know classically lit and you know fil- uh, cameras on dollies and on uh tripods and stuff to more of a run and gun aesthetic he took the cinematographer from the shield and right. his whole camera crew brought it over to here and so it, he was adopting a, a new style for himself um so I would kind of bump, bump against the idea that he's not having fun. Re- reminiscent. Oh, sorry. It's a little reminiscent of like Hitchcock bringing his, his TV camera crew over to make like a lower budget, like psycho, right? Like exactly. Um, and, and we'll get into the black and white version, which I didn't watch the black and white version. Um, uh, unfortunately, uh, Adam, did you watch the black and white version? 
I did not even know that was a the, thing. Oh yeah, this right. was before Logan, before Mad Max, before Parasite. You know, this was the original uh, oh. black and white version. Yeah, um, so much so that the first time I saw it, I knew that that was his preferred way. Right. And they hadn't put out the DVD yet, the one that had two discs, where one disc's color, one disc black and white. So I just, you know, desaturated my television um, to watch it in the preferred way. Yeah, Adam, if you ever get back into watching this movie, uh, and it sounds like you're already hinting that you have no interest in watching this movie again. But um, if you do, uh, black and white really helps because I have watched that version. I have that Blu-ray. Uh, it really helps with the, the obviously with the CGI and stuff like that. It makes it look a lot better. But um, this could be hearsay completely, but I believe that Darren Bont really wanted to make the film in black and white. Oh, yes. But the studio said, you can't have the budget to make it in black and white if you keep that ending. Yep. And uh, that studio was Bob and Harvey Weinstein. <laughs> Famous for their very good decisions on cutting material down. Uh, yeah, no. Um, Adam, Adam, have at it, man. We've thrown some context at you. Uh, the defining 9-11 horror movie. Let's hear your gripes right up front so we can get over them, and then we can just move on. Uh, okay, let, let's... You know, I I, 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 lo- I really like Shawshank Redemption. Um, I really like The Green Mile. And guess what? I liked The Majestic. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It is a very Adam movie. It's way too long. Talk about Dr. Runtime, but I enjoy it. Um, And then we get to The Mist, which I was very excited for. But, you know, Frank comes in swinging his big Stephen King dick again for the third (laughs) time. And he knows what he wants to do. And I'm like, all right, he's done well with the other two. Why not? But if I had one word to describe this movie... As my cat is saying right now, it would be awkward. Um, from the way it looks, or the, the the way it's acted, the way it, it, what, what, what what do you mean? Yeah, I would say pretty much all of it. Actually, I did like the 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 shooting style of this movie, as you said, Craig. The sort of running gun. I thought that was actually very cool. Yeah. I like that the cameras work and everything. But the performances rubbed me a little bit the wrong way. The main uh, actor, who was that? Thomas, Thomas Jane. Jane. Sorry. Tom, yeah. <laughs> Actually, I thought he did really well. I really liked his performance. But pretty much everyone yeah. else was like a little bit not quite there, um, except for the uh, uh, crazy evangelist lady. Oscar winner Marsha Gay Harden. Yeah, she did a great job also. But, like, it started off with uh, with the main character's wife, you know? Like, what is that? The mist? I don't know. I don't know if I like the look of that mist. Like, she, I'm glad we got rid of her right away because I was not feeling it at all. Um, but then also the cutting in this movie. Like, if we go back to the, the mist rolling in front of the supermarket, like, there's, there is, I still think, no fun there. There's no, like, gradual, you know shots uh facing the window as it creeps in as people are talking in the supermarket it's just one quick boom here's the mist go for it and and i wish that there was more of that or or the opening scene of the the tree crashing into the the artist studio there um it it doesn't there's no like shots of the tree you know about to fall or whatever it's like this weird calm then all of a sudden here's a tree enjoy you know (laughs) And then there's other scenes that are way too long. So it's it's really awkward, I think, that the way that this is cut about. And I, I, I really wouldn't... go ahead. Oh, I was just saying, I really wonder how it would have colored your perspective. Uh, I guess pun intended, if you had watched it in black and white on the first time. Because for me, it adds something. It it gives it this. Um, it feels like an episode of the twilight zone once you put it in i was just gonna say i never thought about this Uh, the monsters are due on on maple street Street. oh sorry maple Maple street Street. i said mulberry street (laughs) you scared frightened rabbits you're sick people you know that oh man yeah no um craig says stuff and then like it like 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 the hitchcock (laughs) thing like really like what do you say it like knocks stuff loose in my brain of like wow you're (laughs) right like Adam, if you had if you had seen it through the lens of the black and white and kind of it, it may have helped you pick up on the tone of these like because I think what you're complaining about is you, there's too many King archetypes here. There's too like, like almost as if like too much of the Stephen King like old like oh sh- old like um how do you say oh shucks main <laughs> archetypes Small that he town. has yeah yeah the people who talk like they're in the 50s but they're you know living in like the 2000s type thing. <laughs> Uh, although, is this a period piece? I, I couldn't quite pick that up. 
No, I think it was contemporary. Yeah, so it just feels small town, right? It just kind of feels mm-hmm. like it's a little. Um, no, I think I like that, that you, aspect of it for sure. I, I think that you just. I, I think that the the archetypes that you're not liking, like the soldier and the girl who loves the soldier, and the, <laughs> you know what I mean, like stuff like that. Like I think it plays way better as a Twilight Zone if you look at it through that lens. No, and the black I, and white may have helped a lot. I don't mind the archetypes at all. I do kind of like that. I, I like I said, you know, I do like the other Stephen King style of things. Um, and I like his sort of, uh, uh, it, it's heavy on the genre, right, in that aspect. And I really enjoyed that part. It's more of just like the technical side of things, which I don't even know if I, I would blame Frank completely because he has done good work with other people. Um, but I, I feel like the editing here was the biggest <clears throat> thing that was off. Yeah, I mean, listen, I, I really like this movie. It certainly is a mixed bag, but the only thing I'll say to defend you <laughs> is that I saw this on opening night in 2007, mm-hmm. and it played in, like, the smallest theater uh, at, 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 like, an Edwards I went to with, like, 14 theaters in it, which is weird because I think it financially did okay. It uh, basically is the only movie I've ever been to that it came close to getting laughed off the screen, mm-hmm. like, other than The Happening one year later, but um, – <laughs> which is also, like, a weird post-9-11 movie, but mm. – um, People really, really could not take it seriously, and were laughing throughout it at some of the stilted dialogue and perf- and kind of wacky performances and stuff. But interestingly, when I watch it now, I don't have that feeling. So again, I don't think that you're gonna ever watch this movie again. And I don't, you know, whatever it, it is, what it is. Um, but I don't have that feeling anymore when I watch it. And I was kind of with the crowd at that time because you know when when 50 people are laughing in a movie, you kind of just start having fun with it or whatever. But mm-hmm. um, boy, when I watch it now, it this movie carries like a serious darkness and mean spirit to it mm-hmm. all the way through. So when mm-hmm. I think of The Mist uh, previous to this, to this viewing, and it's a movie I've seen three or four times, mm-hmm. I only thought of that last scene. We'll, we'll, we'll be light on the spoilers until we're not light on the spoilers, but <laughs> I only think of that last scene as being like, holy shit, nihilism. But I'm like thinking about like oh, here's a minor spoiler, but the scene where like the flying monsters get into the supermarket, right? Like when the glass finally breaks, and the one young girl who just professed her love to the, the or I don't even know what they were doing in the back room, I don't remember, but um, she gets stung and immediately dies. And then I think the guy, the soldier, I think he like slips and then catches on fire or something, <laughs> like just horrendous, like dark nihilism and like and it's just really really dark throughout. So when people myself say that the movie is really really dark at the very end it's actually crazy dark throughout it and i had forgotten that Um, so you know you go from like shawshank redemption and the majestic Mm -hmm. and the green mile to this it's like holy smokes and it's like it's no wonder he went to the walking dead after (laughs) yeah which is where i got off the darren bond (laughs) yeah for sure the comic and the like i i wasn't a fan of the comic already but you know frank darren bond got me to at least check out the show and i'm like oh there's no variation in tone it's just unrelenting uh sadness yeah okay. uh, i'll check out uh i think what he he got he got booted off after season one which mm-hmm. in, in my limited viewing of of the walking dead season one was the best season uh mm-hmm. probably because darren bont was behind the camera but um adam what did you think of the weird mishmash of like the aw shucks little main town and the did you find it to be like oddly dark yeah, I mean, I like that too. I like that we do get rid of the the big love interest woman right away. That was an interesting choice. Um, and you know, again, going light on the spoilers, it gets very dark, which I did really like. Yeah. Um, so, Craig, you know the story behind the ending. Uh, do you want to? Do you want to tell? I'm just assuming you know the story behind the ending and how and how it was conceived and uh... well, that it was like it was in the contract that you know the ending had to remain like yeah that it could not be altered and uh i love it for that um <laughs> but that's not how the book ends oh no the, the book has I, i've not read the book but i've been told like the book has more of a like an open ending like an ambiguous ending yeah I believe, the or... novella ends with the, just them driving around mm-hmm. like so you know how they're going like house to house seeing like the, the wife doesn't make it and they, they, you know again now i guess we're just in spoilers but um they just keep driving at the end and they just keep driving through the mist and then it ends which is not really an ending um but uh it's not a terrible ending in any way but 
I, uh, if my uh, recollection of the story is that Darren Bont wrote the new ending mm-hmm. and that King was like, oh, man, this is so much better than my ending, <laughs> um, which you, you got to respect it, right? Like uh, yeah. s- Someone famous for basically only liking working with Darren Bont and now Mike Flanagan has basically <laughs> ha- hated all of the other adaptations of his mm-hmm. work. Um, I, I like that he was able to see that ending and be like, holy smokes. That is probably how he talks, right? Holy smokes. That's oh, yeah. that's that's really dark, Frank. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I love it. Um, so yeah, uh, let's, uh, I don't even know, Adam, would you, I, I barely wrote down any notes because just, just <laughs> empty head here, just talking about the mist. Um, I just, you know, I, I will say that one part that hit me really hard this time was that first lady who freaks out and says like, no, you don't understand. Like I have to get back to my kids. Mm-hmm. Um, that part hit me really hard because <laughs> I remember watching it when I was younger and being like what is this like lady like no just stay in the store like what are you talking Mm -hmm. about like don't go outside but uh, this time i was like totally on her side like yeah i mean like she's gotta get back like you you know what i mean like it it totally makes sense um adam are there any sequences that stuck out to you did you like the part where the shermanator got uh dragged away (laughs) by the uh the octopus the tentacles yeah the Shermanator? I was gonna say a young Benedict Cumberbatch. <laughs> well, you're uh, so Craig Adam is uh, considerably younger than, uh, than uh, we are, and uh, so he uh, maybe hasn't seen American, American Pie. American Pie. Oh no. Yeah, oh. that that guy plays like a character named the Shermanator who acts like he has <laughs> sex with everything, and then it turns mm-hmm. out that he doesn't at all. Oh, good reveal. Um, <laughs> or, or 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 does he not? Actually, Wait, yeah. Did you give a spoiler alert for American Pie? Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, spoilers <laughs> yeah. for uh, Chris Weitz's 1998 film or whatever, American Pie. 99. It 99. was part of that glorious year of 99. Well, there you go. Yeah, they, they, they don't include it alongside, you know, Fight Club and Blair Witch Project. I don't know why. Yeah, yeah. 99 and 2007. What a, <laughs> what a, what a duo of years. Um, but yeah, actually, let's go back to the, the scene with that woman, which I also really liked. It's sort of like a establishing uh, the difficulty of what's going to be going on in the future with this mist. Um, but that's also something that I felt was really out of place. I felt like the mist rolls in, everyone's screaming, and then we get this long of like, who's going to help me? You? You? Like this commercial almost for dying, you know, animals at a shelter out of nowhere. It was it was kind of an odd tone, I think, to throw in. I, I You know, I, I think maybe on rewatching, I would feel more like, knowing what's going to happen next kind of thing that I'd feel okay with that sort of switch, but I didn't like it here. It does. Okay. So the, the tonal jumble, I won't say mess that this movie is, it does smooth over, over time. You know what right. I mean? Like, it does. Uh, I, I, I'm telling you when I watched it this time, I felt that scene to be like pretty intense and like uh weirdly like well acted. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> Um, I, don't, I don't know what else to tell you. Were there uh, any other scenes that you, you did like? Uh, what, what, I mean, generally, what did you think of the creatures? I mean, there's a lot of different creatures in this movie. Yeah. Yeah, the creatures were cool. Um, you know, you can't blame the CGI too much back then. I think it still looked not bad. I don't know for 2007, but it, I, I liked and it. And black and white helps. Right, yeah. I would imagine because <laughs> I think the texture work was probably the biggest problem there. It's it's always a, it's a problem because this movie needed like a hundred million dollar budget to really mm-hmm. nail these things down, but they're never going to give this movie a hundred million dollar budget. I mean, it is a hard R horror movie, mm-hmm. right? But uh, yeah. I think I really liked that uh, big guy near the end. Oh yeah, at the end, yeah, the, the whole uh, you know Lovecraftian uh, Cthulhu walking creature. Yeah, it, it was sweet the way that it's introduced and it just kind of moves past them is very cool and kind of creepy. Um, I wish we could have seen the full tentacle monster. Would 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 we have Stranger Things if uh, not for the mist? You, I I maintain that probably the Duffer brothers uh, saw this and it had a had an effect, like something about like the whole portal, mm-hmm. you yeah. know, mm-hmm. upside down. I mean, the Duffer brothers were you know at Chapman the same time as me, so so this would be right after they got out, yeah. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> the Duffer Brothers grew up on Spielberg uh, and saw The Mist. <laughs> and then they were like, give me that Netflix budget. I can make it look a little bit better. Um, <laughs> that's another thing that I like about this movie is the sort of non-reliance on, like, what happened exactly. You know what I mean? It's just like you hear, like, military people murmuring and they're just like, you know, 
again, correct me if I'm wrong. Maybe they go into it a little bit more, but it's mostly sum- summarized by like, oh, we shouldn't have done what we did. Uh, the rift opened and now they're mm-hmm. out, basically. And it's like there's no other real explanation because you don't need it. You know what I mean? It's just oh, like, yeah. oh, that's Project Arrowhead. They've been working on that for a long time. What the hell are you guys doing up there? Like, I, I love that mystery as well. Yeah, I like where things aren't – well, because, uh, you know, shit on uh, Mission Impossible 3, you know, like beyond um, – what you call it? Uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman's mm-hmm. performance. But the whole rabbit rabbit's foot idea, yeah. like that they're after this thing that you don't even know what it does. Like Simon Pegg has this, you know, speech about like, well – there is a thing that could do this, but I'm not saying that the rabbits, you know, like that it, it puts something out there, but it's never explained. Right. Uh, you know, it's truly a MacGuffin. Yeah. That's the, that's the JJ Abrams. They call it the, the mystery, mystery box. box. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, he, he needs a mystery box and everything. I mean, <laughs> and, and speaking of Abrams and the mystery box, I mean, the mist feels like it could have ended uh, and, like, Cloverfield began. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, Cloverfield like, is also very indebted, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, that's true. Because Cloverfield would be... When that come out? Like, 09 or something? About that, yeah, because... Wait, definitely. no, was it 07? Was Cloverfield also 07? Wow. Uh, if it was, what a year, man. I mean, I mean we've already been talking about it, but... Uh, 08. 08? The very next year. Wow. So, yeah, very, very possible they could have seen some early footage from the mist <laughs> before heading into production on that, baby. Um, yeah. yeah, Adam, I'm, I'm enjoying your take uh, on the mist right now because, uh, you know, the, this podcast is at its best when you dislike something and I like <laughs> something. So, uh... Right. And I really wanted to like it, which is a bummer. I, you know, I, I sat down, I planned my whole day sort of around coming home at night to watch it. Um, but I think... It, it was just that awkwardness. It wasn't even that it was bad, really. Like, I get why uh, audience was were laughing. Like, every once in a while, someone said something a little bit weird or strange or someone did something that was stupid. Yeah. But well, they, would... they, they're, they're acting like characters in a Twilight Zone episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wouldn't even fault them for that. Like, I, I, I was able to look past that, but I think everything else was just a little too awkward for me. Yeah. yeah like... Even that end is pure Twilight Zone, you know, like a mm-hmm. twist, you know, a, mm-hmm. oh, you know drop my glasses you know <laughs> to the nth degree um, <laughs> the 16 year olds that i saw the mist with were never including myself because i was still a year away from even like starting to quote unquote watch movies you know yeah, we or, were never uh, like girls <laughs> yeah. we were never if i ever got there we were um, never going to be able to pick up that this was based on the blob or a 50s like atomic age creature feature or even the twilight zone something as culturally significant as something like that we were never going to understand what darren bond's intention was um so of course it's easy for us to laugh at the movie but it's like of course darren Bond, like a film nerd is going to try and make something that's referential and it just didn't click and it's funny because um like i mentioned the year after that the other movie i've, I've seen that got laughed off the screen essentially was the happening which Shyamalan, i think one time came out and was like yeah, I mean, I tried making, like, The Birds meets, like, a, a Z movie, essentially. Well, that was also billed as, you know, Shyamalan does R-rated, yeah. you know. Um. Yeah, yeah, and and uh, people were expecting this really, really intense movie, which, you know, it was kind of violent, but he tried to backtrack, literally, I think in, like, one interview, and was like, yep, I tried something, it did not work out, <laughs> like, fully it didn't work out, but, uh, you know, you would never hear Darren Bont be like, it didn't work out, the mist didn't work out, because I think it, it ended up being exactly what he wanted, it is just a little bit weird when you get to the end there, and, like, like Craig, like you said, it, it is like a twist and like a Twilight Zone episode, but, man, that would be the darkest Twilight Zone episode of all <laughs> yes. time, uh, even the weird new CBS episodes don't get that dark, so, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, we can just skirt Pat. We'll talk if you guys if if you're listening out there and you have not seen the mist, we have not spoiled the ending. We won't we won't spoil the ending. There's no reason to talk about the ending. We can all just agree it's good. I know, I really <laughs> and think we'll we should. fuck up your day. Yeah, yeah. You you wanna you wanna talk about Adam? Yeah, I think there's a few things to talk about here. Okay. Uh so we're 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 almost forty five minutes into this episode. So right now we're gonna say hit the fifteen second forward button eight times (laughs) skip ahead two minutes because we're about to discuss the ending to the mist and i'm telling you if you're listening to this podcast and you haven't seen the mist and you just watch it for the ending it's truly worth (laughs) sitting through an hour and 50 minutes to get to this ending because it is crazy i'd agree with that also uh starting now go ahead adam 
All right. Uh, what's the point of bringing that woman back? Uh, the woman who was crying in the in the supermarket. Uh, that is a great. Uh, that's what I picked up on this time, as I had forgotten. What is the thematic nature of her going by, other than just pure nihilism? Like you should have listened to me, Craig. Do you have a reading of that at all, or is it just like just a in your like, face? Maybe, maybe like a foreboding, yeah, of just like things were gonna work out if you had just uh chilled out i don't know yeah adam i I think it's kind of just a thing that adds to like the just tragicness of what has happened you know what i mean Mm -hmm. that he could have maybe even gotten home and saved his wife Mm -hmm. um his child wouldn't be dead in the car (laughs) right now you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. like all of this stuff is just like it's so fucking dark. And then he sees that lady. And it, 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 did you think it was too melodramatic? Did you think it was one step too far? Um, I don't know. A little bit. I was just like, all right, all right, fine. You know, she made it through <laughs> for some reason, which I guess fits to the metaphor as we get into the rankings soon. I love the shot. And I, we got to hurry up here. We got 40 <laughs> seconds or so. I love the shot of the, the, the shooting happening in the car, going to the outside of the car, yeah. hearing the muffled bullets. Mm-hmm. and then cutting into him screaming i, I think mm-hmm. that's done mm-hmm. just brilliantly i mean obviously yeah. you can't show what's going on in that car <laughs> anyway but um uh what you were mentioning earlier craig maybe like the the walking dead the reason why that show is not any good is because they probably would have tried to show what was happening inside of that car yeah it, well, yeah the walking dead just never made like when uh who's gonna die you know like that big cliffhanger where they came back from a season or whatever and right everyone like tuned in like okay somebody i care about is gonna die i'm gonna essentially tune in to watch a snuff film yeah right right just that whole like it just doesn't make sense to me you know i love a good horror film but like just to like tune in for to be made miserable right uh we we are past the spoiler zone now so anybody who who, no no we're past it you got you no (laughs) (laughs) one more thing you want to say one more thing about the ending of the movie yeah all right, skip ahead 30 seconds, everyone. Okay, so so obviously this is like you know, sort of against the military because they're conducting their things. But then with that last scene, what is it? Is it pro-military? Is it back on the yeah, military they're, train? They're, they're handling it. Yeah, yeah. Like, see, the military fixed it all. Right, that's the, la- the very last thing that we look at. Yeah, that, they, that's fair. They fixed it all, but they also like, they like are basically cleaning up their, their mess, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that is, that is a weird, uh, great shot. I love that shot. Yeah. How it just kind of goes up, and it's almost like, wait, what was what was the budget for this movie? <laughs> uh, but it's like probably half CGI, half practical, rolling right. through there. Um, and, I and... love the opening shot of this movie and the ending shot. I think they're both very, um, very cinematic, very, very unlike the rest. And my mind goes straight to like, how are they going to get that big thing made? <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, again, not not really a spoiler because people are back now, but. Um, is the big thing that crosses in front of them that that doesn't that just kind of leaves them alone is that the thing that kind of gives them the make does that make their decision like we have to do the thing that they do at the end because of like if so, stuff like, like that how exists, can we how can we compete or how can we take on something of that magnitude yeah. is that what i'm supposed to was that what i'm supposed to kind of oh i mean i know they run out of gas but Mm-hmm. yeah if though if that thing is out there then we're done for basically yeah but also i was thinking like there seems to be some sort of a hierarchy in these creatures like almost like because you got like the moth looking things and then they're being preyed upon by other you know bigger creatures so it's not even like these creatures are all working along with each other you know like they'll eat each other um and so is this that big thing is it almost like the alpha like if you go with like uh is it godzilla king of the monsters you know like they're mm-hmm. gonna be, and so like its presence almost is kowtowing uh the other creatures and that's why things are getting mellower at the end like uh you know something bi- a, a bigger fit there's i don't know i'm <laughs> rambling here that's it no, that, no that's interesting i like that yeah and you know what? What's weird too is there's there's I thought I really thought there was going to be a payoff with that spider that jumps in the car, you know, because it crawls over the car, and I was like, oh, this thing is definitely going to crawl underneath the car, and just wait there. Um, I can't recall when that happens. Is that when they're trying to leave the supermarket? Yeah. 
Oh yeah, yeah. No, it just uh, it just goes away, right? Or is it does yeah. it get scared away by a bigger thing? No, it just goes away. Oh, <laughs> it just gives up and walks away. Yeah, yeah. I want to believe that there's something else going on in this movie than just pure nihilism, but at the same <laughs> time, I don't. You know what I mean? It's what separates it from. It, as Adam likes to say, it's what separates the wheat from the chaff. <laughs> yeah. He said that he said that one time on an episode, <laughs> and I wrote it down forever. As I've never heard that before. That's like what a, that's what a Stephen King character would say. <laughs> um, so uh, what we do now is we kind of just continue talking about the movie. But we talk about it through our rating system, Craig. So we're gonna move mm-hmm. on. Uh, I always mess up how I introduce this segment, but. Basically, I'm going to read you five categories. We'll rate everything at one to ten. You'll start, and then Adam will give it a rating as well, and then I will, and then we'll add it all up at the end, and we'll see where it stands <laughs> in our Creature Feature series. So, one to ten, how cool are the monster's origin in this movie? Um, I, like, probably, like, a six. I mean, because it's, you know, it's a vague origin, so I want to give it, you know, points for, you know, not being overly explicit right. but like it's not you know the most like oh that's clever so like six or a seven i'll i'll air since i do like the film i'll air on the the seven all right uh adam i'll skip you real quick because i already wrote down seven as well um uh, adam always accuses me of stealing the guest scores but if he was looking <laughs> at my google sheet right now he would know that i wrote down seven before you said it um i'm with you uh, i think it, i think that the strength of this movie is that we don't get too much i've already mentioned it of what the monster's origins are but i love like the talk of project arrowhead i love that there's something happening up in the hills and that like a rift has opened and that these you know just horrible horrible creatures have gotten out so <laughs> I, i'm gonna give it a seven as well well i think i think in that sense we do get like a completely explained uh backstory you know I mean, they're just creatures from another dimension. We don't have to know, like, exactly how they were, you know, born or whatever. Which is cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I'd give it a six. I think I like that idea um, that they are from another dimension, but that is kind of an easy one. Yeah, for sure. Uh, category number two, and I always preface this one, was saying that this is Adam's idea for a category. And uh, <laughs> this movie, <laughs> I think I'm going to know Adam's score on this one. Uh, but he thought that uh, a good creature feature would mean um, that the characters in the movie needed to be dumb or silly, the human characters. Uh, so <laughs> I'm going to ask you one through ten, how dumb slash silly are the human characters in this movie? Um. I'd say probably a five. I mean, because you do, I mean, you understand some of the motivations on a, a human level, you know, like the wanting to, you know, save their kid or things like that, you know, but they're also very stock, right? you know, motivations that like, you know, you could have uh, clipped out of, you know, any, you know, save the cat uh, screenwriting book. Right. Um, so yeah, like a right down the middle five. Yeah, so this movie is, like we mentioned, very post-9-11. Oh, yes, there are horrible creatures outside, but the real story, like I mentioned in the tagline, is the people inside the store ripping each other apart. This is not yeah. new material. This is yeah, But the, the thing that makes this movie unique is that a, a lower-budget movie would have just literally implied that there were creatures outside or that there were just mist, and then they would just... <laughs> purely focus 90 minutes on the inside you know because of budget i think what makes this movie unique is the creatures is that actually darren bot has the guts to show you the creatures um adam uh, we're going off topic right now real quick sorry but (laughs) would you have liked this movie more as like a two and a half million dollar movie that stays in the grocery store it's 25 minutes shorter and then we we don't see a single creature maybe hints of like a tentacle or something absolutely not really (laughs) really i love i love seeing the monsters here oh you're gonna hate my new script i'm I'm gonna start working on soon (laughs) (laughs) um uh, good, good. Okay, good. You love seeing the monsters here. I think that the movie, the strong point is the monsters, and you would probably agree here. The weak point are the human characters, which probably you really needed to nail to make this movie a masterpiece. Um, mm-hmm. I think that the dumb characters really, really outweigh the reasonable ones here, but I'm still going to go kind of down the middle. I'll give it a six. Yeah, no, I think it's a five. I don't think anyone, like like Craig was saying, I think everyone's sort of justified and no one makes any really like dumb mistake here. 
yeah, and we haven't talked about Marsha Gay Harden very much, uh, but we should absolutely because this performance mm-hmm. is like a quintessential Stephen King character. It mm-hmm. is truly fantastic. Um, it's it's a lot of fun to watch her kind of just turn everybody against the uh, the other people, and uh, oh, she, she's she. It. Oh, she, uh, <laughs> you hated the performance, or you, or you hated no, the character? I love the performance. I it, yeah. I found it so frustrating to do all that, and also, I mean, what the heck was her end game? That's what I didn't understand. <laughs> Well, I, I don't wait. No, I I don't think she's doing it. I think she's I think she's for real. Am I wrong? No, yeah, yeah I, I don't think. She, yeah, she's that's just who she is. She's religious, not so like you know. I don't think she necessarily wants to gain anything. I mean, just... the end game is salvation. Adam, did you not watch the movie? No, yeah. But, I mean, <laughs> the question here is like, what what the heck do you want? Like, I I would have like as she was screaming like this is our you know. Um, no, you, you, this is not how we do it. Going out there or whatever is not how we do it. I would have been like, well, what do we do then? I mean, what what, what do you want here? Because we worship these things. We should go out there or what? We stay in here like we are doing already. See, Adam, our, I can hear it in his voice. If he was in that supermarket, he would have been real pissed. Yeah, I would have. <laughs> God, I would have punched her in the face pretty quickly. But that's the thing yeah. is I just shake her shoulders and say, well, then what do you want? What do you want? <laughs> Adam saying he would take down the Marsha Gay Harden character really early shows how poor he would be in an emergency situation. Absolutely. <laughs> Imagine if Mist rolled in and you were in a supermarket and you were like five minutes later, you were like, I need to punch someone right now. <laughs> yeah, it wouldn't Just no crisis, uh, no crisis skills. All right. Uh, <laughs> category number three. Uh, this is this is a weird category, but um, typically in creature features, this, this fits. Uh, how sympathetic are the monsters in this movie? <laughs> <laughs> Zero. I, yeah. I mean, like they're they're just you know they're they're animal. You know they they do whatever is their nature. Right. They're just they're neither you know malevolent or you know they're just animals. <laughs> yeah, Adam. What do you think? I give it a four. Um, four, jeez. Yeah, look, they don't want to be here, man. It's our fault. If we threw, if we threw like a rhino in a supermarket, we wouldn't. That's be not like, a bad point. Oh, the, no sympathy to the rhino. <laughs> That's not a terrible point, actually. I, I was thinking because of the way that Darren Bond just lays on that thick layer of nihilism that I'm projecting Darren Bond's pr- uh, direction onto these creatures. You're not wrong. They probably didn't want to be in this dimension. Uh, I'll give it a three. You you changed my mind a little bit, <laughs> <laughs> but it, it easily could have been a zero. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, category number four: How strong of a metaphor are the monsters in this movie? Now we've been talking about it the whole show. Um, we can lean more towards what the metaphor of the movie is, but the the monsters mm-hmm. they represent something. Craig, what do you think? Yeah, I mean the monsters are mostly just a catalyst for like the metaphor you know they're just a stressor to bring out the worst in people um so i guess like they they do their they themselves are not a metaphor but they cause a metaphor um so i think seven (laughs) yeah i think include the mist in into this right 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 because you can get lost in mist mist is a you know like yeah so a confusing position, you know, like right. foggy, the fog of war type. Yeah. The, the, the so like... if, if the mist, if you count the mist itself, then I'd say actually it goes up probably to an eight. Okay. Yeah, I think I'd give it a seven too for that same reason. I think the mist, it's kind of ham-fisted, right? Is like a really like, oh, you know, what happens when you fear? You, you can't think straight. Uh, just like if you were in a mist or something. Your brain is clouded. Yeah, exactly. And so, but I think it works. You know, I think the whole movie kind of fits that idea. Uh, I'm going with a seven as well. Um, yeah, definitely. I mean, there, there's a metaphor here. The the creatures are catalysts for the metaphor, but the fog, it, you're right. It is something. I, I actually wouldn't even have considered that in this category, but uh, it works. It works. Um, this is an interesting one. Uh, Craig, are you familiar with the Ed64 or the, the cabinet game Rampage? um the yeah the one with the the wolf and the 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 lizard yeah that they made into the movie with the rock (laughs) yeah Uh, yeah. yes i am familiar with i think i what is it like i think i played it on sega back in the day or yeah it it, it was on geo yeah one of them it was on it was on a few uh yeah consoles um Mm -hmm. but 
We're, we're asking how many rampage points do these creatures rack up? Well, I'd say probably like a nine or a ten. I mean, they fuck up this town and they fuck up Tom mm. Jane's life, and uh, you know, because you got you could you got little ones that can fuck up small things, and you got big ones that can fuck up. You know, so you got a a variety in fucked upitude. Um, so yeah, I'd say maybe a nine. A nine. Okay, very good, Adam. Uh, interesting. I think I'd give it. I. <laughs> Without getting into spoilers, you know, I think I'd give it a seven also, just because uh, as much as I'd like to see more, this is a kind of a, like a, where does it take place? You know, small city, but it's mostly country. So it's not like they have a lot to destroy anyway. Mm. Well, but they drive for a long time, you know, and presumably they go through some bigger cities eventually, you know, because they've been driving long enough that they run out of gas Mm -hmm. near the end. So they probably... Uh, that's a, a larger uh, range of i doubt the the gas ran out when they got to you know the edge of the city yeah so they probably got some metropolitan uh, areas in there too the the novella makes it a little clear that like the eastern seaboard's like in big trouble with the mist there you go. <laughs> uh, but uh yeah they, they go quite they go quite a bit uh the movie doesn't make it super super clear other than the gas thing but uh it's not mm-hmm. like we saw the gas we don't we not like we saw where the gas started when he got in the car mm-hmm. so um, that would have been nice, Darren Bont. Uh, what do you? Uh, so, Adam, you're, you're giving it a seven. Yeah, come on, Darren. Come on, Frank. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna call him Darren. <laughs> no. So the director of this movie is not named Darren Bont. It's Frank Darren Bont. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I'm giving it an eight. Um, yeah. So yeah, that little square block that we see that gets screwed up is is just the you know tip of the iceberg. Uh, I'm imagining that mist going quite quite. I mean. Yeah, just the amount of damage that that big thing we see at the end could do would be, you know, quite a bit. So eight. Speaking of the big thing at the end, we have a bonus category. How big slash scary are the monsters in this movie? This is a very interesting category. I mean, um, I'd say pretty scary, like uh, maybe like an eight, mm-hmm. just because of the unknowability. You know, you don't necessarily know the full parameters of what they're capable of, or you know how many different forms there are. So just in the 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 vagueness there's your brain can run wild right um yeah i don't even know you know like the big guy at the end with all the tentacles i'm like where do those even attach to what does his head look like (laughs) um so yeah i'd go like an eight yeah adam go with a nine that last guy especially Mm. creeped me out but then the spiders (laughs) are like god i hate spiders (laughs) <laughs> yeah that the the big thing that's outside waiting for ollie or the thing that takes ollie is like a big massive spider looking thing mm-hmm. uh do you remember that one adam the thing with the claw yeah yeah that's yeah uh, that's from uh star wars <laughs> what? What, what what does it play in star wars and the planet you know oh in in it's in the attack of the clones it's one of those big creatures that uh yeah that's you know right yeah but those those are scary though uh, not so much an attack of the clones. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. When they're not shrouded in mist. Um, yeah. So I'm giving it an eight. I think that they're a pretty freaking big and then scary. Yeah. These one, these things can get scary. Like even the little thing that stings that poor girl on the neck and like yeah. the damage that we see them do. The tentacles are, you know, the big CGI mess of the movie, but the tentacles coming through, like whatever was attached to that, that's scary. So I'm going an eight. Very, very, very solid. Um, good showing from the mist here. Uh, Craig, you're giving the movie a 37 out of 50. That's pretty good considering you gave uh, a, a zero on Unsympathetic Monsters. <laughs> so um, uh, It could have been much higher. Yeah. I gave it a 39 <laughs> out of 50. So, um, you know, I, I, I'm usually – if I'm not up in that, like, the 50 out of 50 range, I'm usually down here like, the 35 to 39. Adam, uh, I haven't added yours up, but it looks like you've given it uh, 38. So you're you're right between Craig and I. So weirdly, Craig gave it the lowest score of the three of us, but <laughs> right. he, he he had to keep it real with the sympathetic thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't blame you being like these these monsters are not sympathetic at all. So mm-hmm. um, talk amongst yourself as I add up these numbers. I, would you have any of these <laughs> as a pet? Uh, no, okay. <laughs> that hence the no sympathetic. Uh, if, <laughs> right. if, you know, if there was sympathy, I might, uh, you know, want to cuddle up assu- with some. You could assume that they are good though, that they wouldn't hurt uh, you. Um, if, oh, in, in, would I, if I could assume that they, no, they're <laughs> like, 
like well in the summertime we get these like flying ants in our apartment and i when i watch tv i'm right underneath a lamp so they like dive bomb me and so uh you know that's like those moth ones you know so i'm just uh predisposed interesting and you live you live you said on in project arrowhead yeah yes that's uh my address you know we we have a p.o box just outside the portal um (laughs) When I say uh, talk amongst yourselves while I add up these numbers, I'm literally done adding up the numbers seven seconds after that, which is very <laughs> funny listening to the guests talk with Adam about whatever stupid question he thinks of. <laughs> um, okay, so in this series, Craig, we have done the film. So we started our, our intro to Creature Feature episode. We were talking about Godzilla versus Kong, but that wasn't an official entry. Although I will say Godzilla versus Kong would have done really well on Rampage points. Um, we've talked about Creature from the Black Lagoon with our guest Justina Bonilla. We've talked about The Lorelei's Grasp with Miguel. Rodriguez from Horrible Imaginings. We've talked about Attack the Block with Chad Leslie. We talked about this uh, excellent movie, Matongo. Have you seen Matongo, Craig? No, I've not. Uh, highly, highly recommended. Okay. <laughs> um, uh, also known as Attack of the Mushroom People on Amazon. Ooh. But 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 don't go into it thinking that. it's That's not okay. what it is. Uh, that was with our guest, Kwong Lee. We've done Hellraiser with Rachel Reeves. Uh, we've done Little Shop of Horrors with Katie and Haley from Time Warp yeah. Radio. And then, of course, today, The Mist uh, with Craig Duffy. And The Mist now is number two in our creature feature series with 114 points it trails little shop of horrors by 15 points um i think a pretty good showing adam what do you think yeah very interesting uh i still wish matango was up there (laughs) matango still still hold on strong number three uh uh, oh wow i didn't realize this one point behind the mist (laughs) okay <laughs> so if if you had chilled out a little bit with your rampage points, then maybe we'd be talking about Matango. But hey, uh, what happens at the end of this series is that we um, basically we review all of the movies that we had already talked about and we give them awards, Craig. So oh, um, I don't know if I sent you this part of the prompt or not, but basically the awards are named after the guests who have come on the show. Okay. So for example, I'm giving away. I'm not a guest, but we Adam and I get our own. I'm giving away the Trevor Dillon Award for Chonkiest Monster. <laughs> which the mist is a big player in for sure. Um, and Adam ha- let it slip last episode or two episodes ago that he's giving away the Adam Cervantes Wagner award for tastiest treat. Uh, so Craig, what do you think? We're going to be giving away your award. It's going to be the Craig Duffy award for uh, nihilism. <laughs> ooh, ooh, I'll say this and I don't want to spoil too much, but Matongo is going to be heavy competition for the mist in that category. Okay. Um, yeah. What do you think? Uh, Matongo and the Mist would make for a hell of a double feature. Yeah, I'd I'd go down to the movie store and watch that. Um, if the Mist is the B feature, Adam can bail after the A feature. <laughs> uh, oh, I love that Matongo and the Mist. You know, you know what you do is you play the Mist first. You get people to be like, "Oh, I know what the Mist is. I'll come see that," and then you keep them around for Matongo. But uh, mm. we were oh well, Craig, you'll you'll appreciate this. We were talking with Kwong about doing a double feature of um matongo as the b feature and the a feature being like a hedora like something trippier you know what i mean because yeah yeah because uh uh, uh, matongo wow you'll you'll really like Matongo. you should check it out it's a it's Mm -hmm. an ishiro honda movie okay um so so you'll you'll, i think you'll really enjoy it i'll catch Mm -hmm. up with you about that later but this episode was not about matongo (laughs) it was about (laughs) the mist and uh craig you were an excellent guest thank you so much for being on the show craig no problem thank you for having me uh do you have anything that you want to plug um, no, I mean, you can always just check out uh, my wife and I's blog, thiscinematiclife.com. Um, we don't update it too regularly uh, now that we're parents, uh, but uh, some of the recent content has actually had a focus on parenting, like being a cinephile and raising a cinephile child. Um, so it's not too regularly updated, but, you know, for about three to four years, we were doing like five post a week so there's a huge backlog that's uh, there to check out if anyone is so inclined and um yeah that's about it um what what uh what would the wheel have to land on for our genres to get becca lease on the show but well, what do you think that she would want to talk about oh um i don't know i mean like one of her all-time favorites is rosemary's baby okay well there um, you go so... <laughs> Um, yeah, that, that, that would be, that can fit into many different categories, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Um, excellent movie. Adam, do you have anything that you want to plug? Um, just check out my website where I post the movies I'm making. It's, uh, www.adamjcwagner.com. 
Awesome, man. I'm on Letterboxd. Oh, yeah, plug that Letterboxd, Craig. Oh, um, what is it? Is it just Craig Duffy or C. Duffy? I think it's, I think if you search Craig Duffy on Letterboxd, I'm there. I've, I've been on there since uh, 2012. So, like, yeah, I all of a sudden I'm like, oh, I'm kind of elder statesman here. Um, <laughs> yeah, you're, yeah, you're a great follow on Letterboxd. Everybody should definitely do that. I'm, I'm hoping that the crowd that listens to the show is big on Letterboxd because that's mm-hmm. all we use for our research. So, uh, although Adam <laughs> completely rejects the idea of Letterboxd, but, uh, <laughs> I'm on Letterboxd at Captain Dills. Uh, follow me on my personals at Trevor Dills on Instagram and Twitter, and as always, follow us at Ghost Party Picks on all our socials. Mentioned this at the top of the show, but please review and subscribe to us on Apple Podcast. If you're on Spotify, hit that follow button. Uh, Adam. The rumors are now being put to rest. I've heard we are officially on Google Podcasts. That's right. You can now double feature us on Google Podcasts with Come Town. <laughs> is, 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 is that a new podcast you just found out about today? Yeah, actually, I still don't know what the deal is with it, but it's popular, it, I guess. It's just the guy. The, the, it's just a bunch of guys who consider themselves like the dirtbag left. Basically, is like they're they are they are liberal, but nothing is ever liberal enough for them. You know what I mean? So, like, they reject the, – of course they reject conservative stuff, but, like, they also reject liberal shit because it's not liberal enough. So it's like <laughs> they're, they're just – they're kind of just – feel they're all above it all, but they're pretty funny. I don't listen to the show. Anyways, uh, <laughs> thank you, uh, Craig, for coming on the show and You're discussing uh, a Stephen King movie. It's funny. We didn't really touch on the whole Stephen Kingness of it because I think that we wanted to lean more towards the Daremont thing because I think The Mist mm-hmm. actually feels – like he took a very small book, the novella, and kind of really added a lot of his own stuff to it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyways, thank you for listening to Ghost Party Radio. Mm-hmm. Adam, we have officially... Misted. Yeah, that was a tough one. Bye. Bye. Mm, that's a 10.